Welcome to the Financial Liberty Podcast. Until you wake up from the American dream, financial uncertainty will be your American reality. Join Sam Legaspi and Ko Sukamoto and their guest as they explore how you can attain financial liberty by uncovering truths that have been kept secret for decades. Have you ever played a game and didn't know the rules? How can you ever win? Learn the rules to the game and in turn, learn how to win. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to the Financial Liberty Project with Sam Legaspi and Ko Sukamoto. Today's podcast topic is seven scary retirement stats that will move you. Specifically, it'll move you to do something, we hope. Good afternoon, gentlemen. How are you? How are you? Doing great. Almost sounds like a Halloween show is on, on up here. Yeah, because it's scary. Yeah. yeah, it's scary. You know, yeah. it's you know, interesting, Ko, because, you know, we, we've been doing this for such a long time and We've got some tales and stories. Is really kind of tales from the crypt. <laughs> we need to, yeah, we're going to have to have the sound effects the next time. <laughs> yeah, because this could be the Halloween show. So we'll go ahead and send out links to all our favorite people and, and share this show with them because it is really the seven scary retirement stats that'll move you to do something, anything, but you got to do something because hopefully it scares you to do something. And um, and it, it it culminates from our history of working with a lot of people and 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 hearing some scary stories and we had to really just confine it to seven because you know otherwise we'd probably be here for an entire week and a half maybe month because of all the stories that we've come across right yeah absolutely yeah I mean every, there's never time right Sam we go out and speak in the public and we've got a story that's just fresh out of the oven that is of tremendous interest to people I mean we had a show and tell this morning with a, a large um, company uh, name I mentioned but um, you know we spoke to all their employees and um, you know we brought a new piece of uh, of, of information and um, n- never heard of it. But, uh, you know, it's, it's part of this new thing. It's going through Congress right now. It's called the Secure Act. And, um, and that'll be our other it, show. Yeah. Well, that, that would be, you know, potentially two other shows. And there's not so much information. But the government is in the business of what? They're in the business of raising revenue through what? Through taxes. And so we're all out there just, you know, minding our own business. And Uncle Sam comes along. And uh, he's always constantly, continuously trying to figure out how to extract funds from our pockets in the name of taxes. And um, so there's a bill that's going through Congress right now that um, uh, affects um, the the inherited uh, IRA uh, beast. It's, um, you know, so just picture there's, you know, you, you've got parents and um, they have a retirement account. They pass away and you're named as the beneficiary on that account. So you inherit it. Well, you know, uh, based on current law, you can stretch the life of that IRA. In fact, use it as a uh, retirement vehicle for yourself. Congress is now, um, you know, making some changes to uh, eliminate that um, that benefit. And instead of allowing you to stretch it out for many, many years, now they're going to potentially uh, require you to empty that account within ten years. And so we've had to make phone calls to people that uh, we know directly affect them. And tell them that, uh, hey, you know, it hasn't passed yet, and it probably will, but it's just something to keep your eyes on and, and be prepared. So we're going to actually go into that, too. And uh, we're going to get into details because, as Coz had indicated, it's called the SECURE Act. And with the SECURE Act, there's so many items that we're going to cover. But this show is a ser- the seven scary retirement stats that'll move you to do something. So after doing a lot of research and talking to so many people, We've compiled the data to try to figure out 
what is probably the scariest things that people should know today about their money? And and then hopefully it'll frighten them enough to finally get up off their butts and do something. And I think number one is, uh, is, is something of a kicker because in doing a lot of research, Coes, something about Social Security, we keep hearing it. We keep hearing, is it going to be around? Um, and if it's not going to be around, uh, what's going to happen? What's going to replace it? And, you know, we've always been of the opinion that Social Security is still going to be around. It just may not be in around in the fashion that it's currently in right now. And and uh, the information that's coming out is is making it a little bit more and more and more true. Some political heads came out and they indicated that sometime even before 2034 or around 2034, we're going to start eating into the principle of Social Security. Because as it is right now, Social Security, the payments coming out of Social Security is based on interest payments. So people are getting their Social Security based off interest payments. But the actual Social Security Trust Fund, by 2034, we're going to start seeing individuals receiving their payments through principal. And uh, that's something that's going to be scaring, you know, as far as I'm concerned, that's that's a scary stat. That's a scary piece that, of information. That's a guy that's been chewing on his tasty rib, runs out of the meat and decides he's still hungry, right? And he goes, you know what? I'm so hungry. I'm just going to keep eating. I'm going to start eating the bones. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. guess. I mean, I got to tell you, man. I mean, all I know is that people, because they, they rely on Social Security quite a bit. A lot of times they'll, they'll, they'll put a plan together and they always, they always include Social Security, which they should. But this is more of an indication that you may not want to necessarily rely on that, on that piece of bone with that last piece of meat on it. You want to go ahead and start planning and not necessarily rely on Social Security completely because at, in 2034, if in fact this information is true and it holds true, that individuals are going to start eating into the principal or the principal or the payments are going to be coming from principal as opposed to interest. I see in what we've been discussing in the past is I see that the payments may actually start decreasing. You may not get your eighteen hundred or two thousand or twenty four hundred. You might get twenty four hundred minus twenty percent, minus thirty percent, minus forty percent, whatever it may be. So it's it's something that's pretty pretty scary going up the pipe. And uh, one of the issues I see is that again, a lot of people they do plan for Social Security. It's in their it's in their overall plan. But what we're saying is that you may want to start padding that. So if you think you're getting about you're going to retire with at sixty two and you're you're thinking Social Security is going to pay you about eighteen hundred dollars a month. You may not want to to utilize that number of eighteen hundred. You might want to utilize a number of twelve hundred, maybe eleven hundred or a thousand dollars a month because you just don't know. The fact is, Coz, we're right around the corner from two thousand thirty-four, aren't we? Seems like it's a long ways away, but uh, you know how fast time flies. So yeah, it's around the corner. So, ladies I, and gentlemen, you gotta get your planning done now. Well, I think they're gonna think that they're there's considering on doing what's called a means test. So they may not, one of the options is to reduce all the income by 20%, 30%. However, they may do something completely different, which is, uh, I think they might do something along the lines of a means test, which is going to uh, be based off of people's income. So if you're a rich individual, you may not get as much social security. Your social security payments may be significantly less. If you are a low income earner, your social security may be more. So I, I don't know how that's going to play, and I don't know if that's going to necessarily be fair when it comes to fruition. I don't know if that's really going to be one of the options. But I do know that part of this, and the reason why we're talking about it today, is we're going to be talking about it on the road, is that this is something that is hitting the waves that is potentially scary. Um, because again, 2034 is not that far away. So I, I, know, that, I know that one thing that, that comes up often, Coes, is that when it comes to Social Security, 
when it comes to Social Security, a lot of individuals believe that Social Security is 100% taxable. Can you explain that? Can you run that by and finally, finally put, a, put some information to rest as with regards to Social Security and its taxation? Social Security taxation. So one of the questions we, we often ask groups is, it's kind of like a, uh, uh, like a quiz, right? We start the, the discussion off with a quiz. And the, the question is, how many of you out there believe that Social Security is um, taxable or not tax- taxable? Whatever. And most people will, will raise their hand and say, uh, Social Security is by default taxable. And so we'd say, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a pretty typical response. But uh, in reality, um, by default, tax, uh, Social Security is, um, is not taxed. And the reason why most people do end up paying taxes on it, and it feels like the default is to pay taxes on it, is because they don't know about the rule where if they earn if they have earned income that exceeds a certain threshold, it makes tax uh, Social Security taxable. And because of a lack of planning and and tax strategy, you know, a majority of the population ends up structuring their retirement in the manner where they end up having to pay taxation or taxes on Social Security. That's the the short answer to that. And we bring it up often, right? Cause, because, man, I mean, we, how many times do we, do, do we have to answer that question? Well, it, it you know, it, it's interesting, Sam, because it actually came up this morning. Um, I spoke to a, a you know, somebody who uh, said, um, you know, she, she was just shocked by how much she had to pay in taxes last year. And, uh, you know, she's a retiree, she's taking social security and um, uh, you know, the fact that she's not taking any income from her, retirement, but she still had to pay a, a boatload of social security taxes and she didn't know why. And, and so it turns out just because she was getting an income from her previous employer, it was, it's called a severance package. So there was kind of like this mysterious income just coming into her account and it's tax, it's reported, it's taxable income. And, uh, because it threw her in, you know, above the threshold, um, for a single person, which is $25,000, um, it made her social security become taxable. And so she was surprised by that. And you know what? It probably surprises a ton of people you know, on a regular basis. You know, I mean, if you just miss that number by a penny or a dollar or, you know, a hundred bucks, you're in for a surprise. You go from tax-free to taxable, albeit not everything's taxable, isn't it? Isn't there's, it there, there's a, yeah, there's a scale there. Right. But once you're past, um, you know, an extra, let's just say $10,000 above the minimum threshold, now you're, now you're at the, uh, the highest taxable category that there is. So, right, yeah. right. So there's a lot to know about Social Security, and uh, and and you know we're going to have more shows, and and we'll be out there talking more about it. But I think one of the key things is, is that really shocked me is that 2034, uh, we'll be in that position. The Social Security Trust Fund will no longer necessarily be earning the interest, or the the payments will necessarily be coming from the interest. They'll be coming from the uh, from the actual principal because we've eaten into everything else. Right, and that what, what that's going to do, Sam, is it's going to incentivize our government to find more and more ways to do what? To extract more tax revenue uh, from the citizens. Dang and it. so they're, they're, they're constantly, I mean, they're plotting and scheming <sighs> to, uh, you know, to create more. And so, you know, one hey, of the fourth, questions. Fourth of July, just didn't just happen. Didn't in fourth of July, come on, we got to be like, oh my gosh, patriotic here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the more, yeah. I I, th- I feel Sam. I think I'm patriotic enough as it is. But um, you know, <laughs> don't we, the, don't don't you want to give ninety percent of your dollar to the government? <laughs> ninety cents on the dollar. Gosh, I need a drink just hearing <laughs> that. But uh, no, you know, there's I, I I've never met a person that felt that they wanted to be that patriotic to you know donate ninety percent of their income. I, I guess you can be a philanthropist, but usually philanthropists uh, try to benefit 
uh, you know, the common man, <laughs> not the government. Yeah, or there's a there's a purpose behind the philanthropy. But you know, I mean, again, you know, kind of off topic is that you know throughout history we have this really cool tax sheet that shows that at one particular point the United States was at a ninety percent tax bracket back in the day. I mean, it wasn't like ten years ago, twenty years ago. It was back, I think, in the forties yeah. or fifties. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty crazy back then. So let's move along. Okay, so we're talking about the scary statistics. I don't know if that if if that enough, number one doesn't scare you to go ahead and do something, anything. I mean, reach out to somebody to go ahead and try to figure out what to do as far as planning. Maybe number two will. And number two, I'm going to go ahead and start it with uh, just a simple fact. 62 COs is the average age of retirement. Why is that scary? Because it's not 26. It's not backwards, right? <laughs> well, I'll tell you why it's scary. Because people are living longer. Absolutely. That's scary. You know, so 62 back in the day, let's call it 50 years ago, when you reach 62, that was a milestone, man. I mean, you're, you're, you're up there. 62 is a good number to have. You've been considered a, a good tire that's got a long well, tread, you know. But now, 62 people living at 62, um, they're, think, they're living to about yeah, 95, 100 years old now. Yeah, and I think what you're getting to is the system, meaning Social Security, at its inception was never meant to pay out to most most of the recipients because statistically or what, what's the word um uh what's 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 that table called when when that, that determines a person's longevity their actuary tables yeah mortality tables their mortality actuaries. tables yeah. uh stated that um the average person would um uh would not live long enough to uh, to collect their benefits. Yeah, it wasn't there. It, it was just kind of like one of those carrots. Like, hey, we're doing something really good for you. But the reality know, is you we, ain't going to make it. Yeah, because we know you're going to die. <laughs> we're going to die at 55. Yeah. You're going to die at 55. And Social Security kicks it at 62. So you're going to be long gone. So right. we're just going to go ahead and funnel this massive Social Security trust fund and just build all this money. But the problem was is that medical companies started coming out of the woodworks and they started providing medical care that allowed individuals to live longer to the point where now today, these individuals are living 95 to 100. I mean, you're doing plans out there. We're seeing plans out there that, 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 that have longevities of life expectancies of 100 years old, 110 years old. So if you're 62, and this is the scary part of it, this is the scary stat. If the average person retires at 62, the scary part is that people are living longer. That means you're going to need your money. Go ahead and work for you much longer which to a certain degree, based on the information we know, goes, that's going to be really tough for some people. Or you can resort to the, the death retirement strategy. The death retirement strategy. We need a sound effect for that one day. But no, I mean, so the death retirement strategy is, is a very common strategy. I don't know if I would call it a strategy. Maybe it's a strategy by default. And we don't... We need a stat on that. We, you know what? It... We can, you know, Sam, we, we laugh about it sometimes, but it's really a sad situation. It's a scary, talk about scary. That really is a Halloween scenario for, for a person's retirement plan because the person who's ill-prepared, who just, you know, doesn't give a crap about their, their future and they just, they just uh, decide, you know what, I'm just going to wing it. I'm going to, I'm going to have fun and uh, I'll let, I'll let the chips fall where they may. And so they get to the age of 60-something, and, you know, their body isn't quite feeling the way it did in, in their 20s, and uh, it's hard to get out of bed, and, and uh, you know, they're not feeling as good, and, um, and, and they end up losing their job because, uh, you know, they're too old to continue, uh, you know, being, being employed. And all this stuff happens, and they find out that, um, you know, they're still healthy enough that they're going to keep living and living and living, and they have no, no retirement nest they have no way to fund their, their lifestyle, so... Um, they're done, but they're still alive. 
You're they're, done they're and still out. alive. You're done and you're still alive. You're out I mean, of money. That's, good. that's actually a scary thought. Think about it, being done and still alive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, um, I don't know what the analogy is. It's, it's like you take a fish out of water and make them live. <laughs> they're done. Right? They're flopping they're done around, but, but they alive. just won't die. So, um, yeah, I had a friend who, um, you know, he knew he was in that boat. And he, he actually literally told me on, on our show, I have his permission, without mentioning his name, of course, to, to say that that was his retirement strategy was, he was just going to work until he couldn't work anymore. And if he kept living, that he would just have to wait to die. And that would be his retirement strategy because he, he knew he didn't have anything. Done. And uh, it, Done. It, it was depressing. He would laugh about it on the outside, but he told me on the inside, he just felt terrible. Oh, yeah. He's one of those clowns with a painted smile yeah. on, right? But lucky for him, lucky for him, he got a windfall from a, from a family inheritance. So he got saved. Oh, the cavalry came in. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, if you've got the cavalry coming in, wonderful. But if you don't, <laughs> so number three, that brings us to number three, Coz. Number three is pretty interesting. And the only way I could title it was significant leakage. Now, I don't want you going there, okay? <laughs> I knew you would laugh, okay? I knew, but, you know, this is statistics with regards to significant leakage. I know you can go. I see your mind going out places right now, and that's good. That's fine. But here's the thing about significant leakage, and it's significant. Because we call leakage anytime you take money out of a retirement plan like a 401k or an IRA below the age of 59 and a half. And people nowadays are, are coming out of the woodworks and they're 50, 52, they're 55, they're 57. And we've seen people at the age of 40, 45 years old starting to activate the quote unquote leakage option of this strategy, which is not really a strategy. They just go into their 401k plan and start taking out money, not necessarily realizing that there's several things that are going on. Number one is that they're being penalized they're being taxed and they're being penalized because you can't take money out of a retirement plan below the age of 59 and a half without a 10% penalty. But number two, the fact is they're taking away from their future retirement. And we're starting to see a lot of that, a lot of that, right? Because we're starting to see people 55, 56 years old, and they're tapping into their retirement assets. And they're, it's, it's not allowing their retirement assets to grow. And, and, and the leakage is happening. It's actually a pretty significant statistic, and it's pretty sad. So I think what you're saying, Sam, is there's a right way to take money from retirement plans, and there's a wrong ways. There is a right and a wrong. And if you're forced into a position, well, you know, sometimes... Sometimes, you know, a lot of individuals, they're forced into a position, self-forced. In other words, they, they spent a lot more than they could afford, but they retired from a company at 53, 54 years old. They got $500,000. They felt, you know, a massive financial windfall, like winning the lottery. And they figure, hey, I should buy that BMW or Mercedes or go on that great trip because I deserve it. I've been working for 35 years of my life, not necessarily realizing the consequences of taking money up before the age of 59 and a half. You know, and, and. Some people will live off this false sense of security. They have their job. They go to it every day. It's there for them. It's, you know, they, they take it for granted that that job is there for them. And then all, all of a sudden, one day, they get a notice from the company saying, well, we're not going to be keeping you. You need to be, you know, we're going we're gonna to force you to leave the company. And they are not prepared to retire either because they're too young or because they don't have any, you know, any assets in place, no nest egg in place. And we see that all the time where people have to leave the company that they thought they would work for for many years. And they leave and they, they leave with this false belief that, okay, I'll just get another job. Not realizing that, you know what, they're 20 years older than they were 20 years ago. And uh, there's an age risk. A lot of employers don't want to hire people once they get past, let's say, the age of 50, 55. It's hard. It's harder. 
And so, you, see, we, you know, we're seeing people that, um, you know, for whatever reason, leave a company either because they're forced to or because, you know, for all kinds of reasons. And, um, and they're finding out the hard way that, uh, hey, it's not easy. It's not easy replacing that income. So, like you said, they get forced into having to take retirement income before leakage. they're ready. And that would be leakage. Why? Because leakage happens in the form of government penalties for taking money out too early. Uh, it could be taxation. Uh, it could be taking money because you know what you're you're still too young and you need you needed that money to be in place so that it would be there when you were 93 years old, like my mom. Yeah, yeah, and it happens, you know, and and it's actually a phenomenon. It's it's something that we're seeing more and more as individuals that are leaving a company. They, uh, you know, in many cases, they don't necessarily work for one to two years because they want that time off because of the excruciating labor that they've had over the past 25, 30 years. And I'm not discounting that. But at the same time, you're tapping into those retirement assets when they shouldn't be. You know, um, Sam, I, I think I'm going to go ahead and share this right now. Uh, you know, I've met, I met a family last night and they're, they're tremendously successful. Okay. They're, they're, they're still young. They're in their early 40s. They're not ready for retirement, but the the success that they've exhibited in how much money they save for retirement is astounding. I mean, and what was interesting was, you know, you, you said just a few seconds ago, um, people want to take time off after they have a break from a company, right? Maybe they want to take one or two years off. These people I met probably would never think that way because um, the, the wife, for example, um, at a very young age, she was actually below legal working age, still went out at 3.30 in the morning, um, riding a bike through a gang-infested area to go and work with her father at, um, at, at a factory that um, harvested uh, chickens and rabbits. Yeah. And, and her job was to basically dis- dismember the, the, you know, the, uh, the livestock. Yeah. And she became very good at it, but she learned the work ethic at a very, very young age and she enjoyed it. She liked doing it because she was making, you know, one to two, three dollars a day with those habits, these people and husbands, same way, you know, he came from uh, a different country and experienced war and that they came together and they found they had the same kind of background and they've worked very, very hard. They would never be the type of people go, oh, you know, we just left this company let's take a vacation. Let's just take some time off for a year to two years to relax. And, you know, they, they just, they, they, they're in love with their work ethic. And I think that that's a very important, um, uh, characteristic to have, you know, if you leave a company early, you know, it's understandable, maybe taking a week or two, two off. And, um, but you don't want to be one of those people that just become so complacent and get used to accustomed to this, this easy lifestyle when you really don't have, a, uh, a justification for uh, for acting like you're a true retiree because you're not. Right. You can't be complacent. You really have to no. stay engaged. No. Good points. Good points. So, so we got more scary thoughts over here. Okay, and, and uh, we're on. We're on. Uh, we just got through number three. So we got to go ahead and try to get through these. We're on number four. Number four goes and quattro. Four, yeah, quattro. Uh, number four. Do you know that? Three and a half billion people worldwide, that's three and a half billion people worldwide, don't understand the basic financial concepts of retirement. And I'm going worldwide here because I know that we talk to so many people here nationwide, you know, citywide, you know, and locally. And it always is one of these areas where you've got to explain the rule of 72 or you got to explain how to save and you got to explain that, hey, these, these things happen. It's if you continue to keep doing the right things, your nest egg will grow. 
And it's interesting as, you know, looking at the numbers, it's pretty spectacular that as you take it out as a whole, three and a half billion people worldwide don't understand the basic financial concepts of retirement. Now that, that really is, if you think about it, goes scary, not just here, but globally. People just don't understand the basics. It's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to grasp, three and a half billion. That's like India and China put together almost. Well, that is an interesting stat. It makes me want to just travel the world and, you know, go ask people in different countries, hey, what's your retirement plan? And, um, well, you know, there's, there's probably, <laughs> you're cracking that, but there's probably a lot of cultural things that we don't understand. I don't know. It's, but it's, it's pretty crazy, isn't it? I mean, it is. It's pretty interesting. It's pretty interesting. You know, I, 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 do you think, Sam, that there are cultures where there, that concept doesn't even exist, that their belief is that you, you work until you die? Well, I think there's, there in many third world countries, I know from speaking, you know, in the Philippines is that they have family, a family plan, kind of like how it was back here many, many years ago where you worked on the farm and you pass it on to your kids and the reason why you had kids was to not necessarily, it wasn't out of love, is you needed seven or eight kids to go ahead and grow up to man the farm and to, you know, bring the water buffalo out to the pasture and things of that <laughs> nature, right? And uh, it's, it's, it's funny, it's, um, but, but uh, you know, it was just handed from one generation to another generation that was kind of like their business model. And I think that's probably they, one of the reasons why they don't really understand the basics. And so they're, they, they, and they would band together as a family. So it's not like the kids would grow up and then move to the outer cities or... They are now. They are now, but in the, in the old Back traditional the ways, the, the family stayed. So the elder would be cared for by, by the, uh, the right. children or the children's children, the grandkids, right? Right. And that's what happened here. So, you know, in the United States, we we're all pretty much just ranches, farms and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden, a lot of people were lured by the bright lights in the big cities of like New York and San Francisco and L.A. and Dallas. And you had people that didn't want to stay on the farm anymore. And they figured, hey, I'm bigger and better than this. Let me go ahead and move on into L.A. and be more cosmopolitan. And as a result, what happened is that you had people leaving the farm system. And that's happening globally right now in India and in China. It's a little bit different. The rural part is not being as rural anymore. And I think, you know, to your point... It's a little bit different, you know. People's people's um, um, their their thoughts of retirement. You know, in many cases, I don't know if retirement's a word in many countries, because, like you said, the individuals you met last night, um, they 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 got their their ethics from you know a lot of these cultures that just know how to work. They just that's all they do is work. It's in their system to work. Right. It was survival for them. Exactly. It's more survival, not necessarily. Hey, I want to work. It was more as ingrained as survival. So move along, moving along. Okay, so we're on number five here, and this is a this is a topic. This is something. This this is something a statistic that we've covered many times, but it's still a very very scary statistic. And uh, this statistic is this. And actually, the the numbers grown. It's gone to two hundred and forty five thousand is the average amount people are spending out of pocket for medical costs in retirement. That's per person. 245,000. You'd be surprised. On the average, it's 450,000 per couple. Per couple. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. I mean, we, I've, was, I've we were asked numbers. that this morning. We were, we were asked this morning, an individual we spoke with, she indicated that she's so afraid of leaving her company because what if something happened to her medically? You know, so something must have transpired in her life that she witnessed a, a individual go through a significant financial hardship after they retired. And because that's one of the reasons why she wants to leave, but she can't leave because she has these 
these these inhibitions and these 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 uh, thoughts that that are propelling her, you know, keeping her from leaving. And one of the one of the thoughts is, yeah, how am I going to pay for medical? You know, I mean, I hear that it's almost half a million per couple. I don't have a half a million just sitting around, right? You right, know, right. so that's a very scary statistic. And to this very day, Coase, when you you know we're at workshops and we're talking to people, when we throw that number out, it pretty much kind of glazes over people's heads. It's like, oh, okay. Well, it's, it's like they got socked, they got punched in the face, and and you know they're trying to they're trying to regain their senses because it's a it's a hard punch to hear that information. So the person, let's say he's he's all proud of himself or herself because uh, you know he or she saved let's say half a million dollars only to come hear us and realize that half oh. of that million, well, half that million probably belongs to the IRS, and the other half is going to go to their long term you know healthcare benefits. What they got left, they might be able to afford a what a French fry. Somewhere on a, you know, maybe a hot pot Sunday. Well, yeah. That's it. They're done. You know, if you think about it, I mean, now that you're saying that, it's kind of like if you're talking to a person who's 60 years old and you're, and that person, you're telling them, hey, if you're married, you're going to spend 450000 in med- out of pocket medical costs. They're thinking in their head, well, I don't have 450000 right now. What makes me think I'm going to have 450000 in, in 15 years? And that's just to pay medical costs. How about my living expenses? So, yeah, it's, it's a scary thing. And like I, I, I like you mentioned, it's, I think people are probably more numb with that number. It's not necessarily realistic to them. What's realistic is it's expensive, but four hundred fifty thousand is like, oh my gosh, you know, it's it's such a large number that they just can't really fathom it. So moving along to uh, to uh, number six, which you know, in our topic today, the seven scary retirement stats that hopefully will move you to do something or anything. Number six, this is actually a pretty, this, this is a fun one. We're not going to go ahead and stick around and, and just keep things morbid, but this is interesting. And we see this all the time. And for you listeners out there, I think you can probably say this is potentially you, but 60% of individuals out there don't budget for any fun. They're retired and they don't budget for any fun. And as a result, they don't have a lot of fun. Or they'll, they, or they will still go out and have fun and only to realize that they're having to draw more than what the plan was. We've seen that happen. More often than not. Yep. More often than not. So I think what you're saying, Sam, is it's equally important to budget for fun as it is to budget for stuff that are essentials, like, um, you know, paying, paying your, your uh, I don't know, your medical costs. Yeah, I absolutely. Mean, it, the, the dollar doesn't care where, how it gets spent. The dollar is still a dollar. So if you're going to spend it on, on watching a movie or, you know, going on a vacation, that dollar doesn't care whether you do that or whether you spend it on, you know, heating bills. Right, right. You know, I was talking to an individual last week and, and um, you know, they're in their 60s and next year, like many baby boomers are, they're, they're in this situation right now. Next year, because as you know, because we talked about this a lot, millennials are getting married later, okay? And, or not at all. Or not at all. And But in this case, he's got a millennial. And she's getting married next year, so she's a late, uh, a late marrying millennial, and so being in his early sixties, he's now having to face the fact that he's going to have to partially pay for her wedding, or he, at least he wants to partially pay for his wedding. And also, so you, if you can imagine, he's trying to juggle retirement, trying to retire, trying to make sure that his debt and his bills are paid off, but at the same time, he does realize just within twelve months, he's got potentially a ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollar. Uh, amount of money that he's got to hand over to his daughter. And so luckily he only has one, you know, I mean, I, I, I can go in and, you know, I, I can, <laughs> my, my smile went into a frown because I got four, 
Yeah, baby. So, you know, in this case, in this case, you you got a lot of individuals now that are 60. They want to, you want, we want them to budget for fun. But in many cases, a lot of them are budgeting for other aspects or they should budget for other aspects. Because how many times have we actually seen people in their 60s budget for quinceañeras or other big party type of events, right? I mean, they mm-hmm. actually, they don't budget for it. They just say, hey. I need a 50. Need and a then 50. they call three months later and I need another 25. Yep. And then they, they were the week of the wedding. They call and say, I need another 25. Ain't no 25 bucks either. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're talking about 25 with zeros. Yeah. But you know, the one thing though is that we do say is that if you can try to shoot high, you know, as far as the budget's concerned and we'll try to figure out how to get there. Don't shoot necessarily too low and say, oh, I want to go ahead and, and um, go on the Greyhound and go to San Francisco if I'm going to take the Greyhound. Yeah. Oh, we'll never say no, right? Right, right, right. right. <laughs> never say no. But, you know, you want to have some fun. And if you can travel first class. Oh, kidding. Greyhounds, hey. those are fun. You, those you know, bus actually, rides. Oh, you know, you know, the, across uh, America. the cool thing is the Amtrak oh, across yeah. America. Like Amtrak. All right. So um, number seven, number seven of the scariest thing, these scary stats that should move you into doing something, hopefully, is, uh, and this comes back to a little more of the seriousness, um, you know, the number's really not that big at all, Coast. But when I tell you that if you know the average person is missing out on one thousand four hundred in free money every year, one thousand four hundred free money if they're working for a company, um, and that's because a lot of individuals don't put money into their retirement plan. Let me back it up. They don't put enough money in the retirement plan to earn the employer match, and the employer match on the average. Stats show adds up to $1,400 per year per individual that has qualified for a retirement plan. And that's a lot of money. Think about it, $1,400 every year that they, it's free money. They're just giving it to you because you reach a certain percentage point in, in your contributions to your own retirement plan. It's almost like a bonus. That's right. And we run into people every day that don't take advantage of that free money offered by their employer. You know, we ran into someone recently that that uh, their their employer matched up to six percent, and then they were putting five percent for the past twenty years. <laughs> Oops! <laughs> Oops! <laughs> like, whoa! Why, why they stop at five when they when they could have just gone one more percent and get the six? And you know what? It comes back down to what we just mentioned: is that three and a half billion people worldwide just don't understand the basics of financial concepts when it comes to retirement. Yeah. You know, oh, I believe that. Oh, yeah. So, anyways, um, that really is our show for today with regards to the seven scary retirement stats that'll move you to do something. And hopefully, you'll do something. Hopefully, you'll put together a plan. Hopefully, you'll go ahead and and look for individuals that can help you get from point A to B. And hopefully, you'll be in a position where if you continue to keep tuning into us, you'll become a lot more wise when it comes to your money because that's what the show is really all about. If, unless right. you're Coes and you want to shake the world up. Yeah, not everyone can be like me. <laughs> Today, it was great, so, guys. Um, uh, I like how you were talking about Uncle Sam and how sneaky he is and being patriotic. And I just I just happened to notice something. You cannot spell patriotic without pay. Mm. Ooh. Anyway, patriotic. I appreciate it. Hey, what are, we, what are we talking about on the next podcast, guys? Well, the next podcast is going to be really interesting. It's going to be fun. It's basically now you're on Uncle Sam's plan to help you retire. All right. It's also known as the Secure Act. Oh, we're covering the Secure Act. All right. Well, thank you guys for your time today. And thank you all for listening to the Financial Liberty Project podcast with Sam Legaspi and Ko Sukamoto. Be sure to tune in next time for 
that next podcast about the Secure Act. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Salmon Coast come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at the Financial Liberty Project, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time. It's that time again where the call of the open road makes its way. We hope good fortune finds you on your own personal road. And until next time, we thank you for listening to the Financial Liberty Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available.